This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. And here's Fox creeping forward. He pulls up, 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Makes one, stakes twice, gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. We deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. But 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. How are you, Brendan? I am doing good. Yeah, uh, you know, Lakers did just go up 3-1 in the finals. Nah, nah, nah. Didn't happen, didn't happen. Uh, Yeah, didn't happen. What did happen is Mark Stein reported that the Kings were closing in on the hiring of Alvin Gentry to be the associate head coach in Sacramento. Um, Interesting title that it's not assistant coach. But yeah, what is your reaction of seeing Gentry get brought over to Sacramento? My first reaction is like the Dwight Schrute meme where you have associate head coach. That sounds like just some weird <laughs> title action going. What is an associate head coach? Who knows, dude? Like, it, it's just the guy that's, you know, going to be there, going to be the head coach once the other guys let go up. Do you think that's what's going to happen here? I do. Like, I think there's going to be some really weird dynamic that goes on. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, my guess would be, like, Gentry apparently had a good offer from Philadelphia as well. And, like, I mean, that would be why I would think he would prefer Sacramento over Philadelphia. Yeah, I I saw some speculation that the pay is better with that title associate head coach and that that could be a reason he chose Sacramento over Philadelphia. I don't know. I obviously don't know. I don't really care. I, I'm i sorry. I know that, like, a lot of people are really optimistic about this new look of the Kings front office, and they think that since Vlade is gone, that this entire franchise deserves a clean slate and is starting from zero, and we should give them every benefit of the doubt that they're going to be really good and make all the right decisions, all the right hires. That's not where I'm coming from. I'm coming from a place of this – is the franchise <laughs> is the sac- is yeah the Sacramento Kings is this franchise we're discussing so until and it's not ever been 
exclusive to one general manager or one coach. So, you know, the struggles have been ongoing for not even one owner, which is that I don't even know how to really explain that. But, yeah, I mean, I'm until they prove, you know, until they prove that they're a different team in terms of results, I'm going to assume. I mean, and this is a retread of a coach that, you know, has lost his job. Um, and I get that he's he's been a good assistant coach. I don't know. Has he been a good associate coach? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, but the, but the, the, the point I'm making is, like, this is a Golden State Warriors guy. Uh, so that's a Vivek move, right? I mean, that's just a typical Vivek move. Right. Um, this feels like a. I mean, some people think that wouldn't have happened under Vlade. This feels exactly like what would have happened under Vlade, in my opinion. It feels like a Vivek move, hiring mm-hmm. a, a. You know, it feels like a Walton move too. In some ways, I know that. What's the report you've got now about this being Walton's choice? Let me pull it up here. Uh, yeah, Jason Anderson. The report is. Uh, this is the quote. League sources confirm the Sacramento Kings have hybrid, hired Alvin Gentry as associate head coach. So Sources tell the Sacramento Bee Luke Walton led the hiring process, and Gentry was the top I'm sure they, yeah. <laughs> for a while. I'm sure they do. The back. I'm sure the sources do say that. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to think. I think that's I, – I, look, I think that he would be a better head coach than Luke Walton. That's my personal opinion. I think that he – I don't know. I saw Carmichael Dave put out a poll earlier of, like, would you want him as head coach? And it was a pretty resounding no. So Really? Yeah. Um, it was, like, a 70-something percent no. Hmm. Um, so I, I think that – I don't know. And this was a mailbag question in the Kings Herald as well this week, is would you want a retread head coach if Walton were to be moved on from, or would you want someone new? Um, I think that everyone wants something new. Just, you know, I don't know. I, I just – yeah. I, I don't know. I don't want, like, an old Warriors assistant. I feel like those guys are – this entire organization is old Warriors assistants. Right. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think that Gentry has done an okay job in some places, but there's a reason he's out of out of a position right now and was just let go by the Pelicans. Um, by all accounts, like, a really good guy. And, you know, I'll say, like, in New Orleans, he was really big on pushing pace and said that that really simplified the games. But I don't know. It was the roster he had, I guess, and who knows how much say he's really going to have in in the play style that goes on on the floor. Um, I don't know. I think that it's a highly coveted name, and it's interesting to see Sacramento beating out some of these other teams that are in better positions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel good that, like, the Kings are in the race and ended up winning with a guy that I feel like is a pretty good candidate for an assistant coach. But at the same time, I, I see where you're coming from. Um yeah, we're just going to kind of have to see how it plays out. I don't know how much of an effect this really has on the team moving forward, though. Um, is there anything else you want to touch on with them before we kind of move on to our profiles for the day? No, it's a fine hire. It's a, it's probably a good hire. I just am one of those people who is like, uh, I'm not going to completely wipe the slate clean because of a good hire. Just like with McNair, McNair I think that it's probably a good hire, but I'm still going to be – I'm going to wait – to be proved to for the team to prove that I should change my belief about them um, holistically until they actually do it. Yeah, fair enough. And yeah, to move on from that, the two final point guards, maybe not final, but in this 
tier, I guess, of, you know, we've said that we'd like Sacramento to consider a point guard strongly at 35, and I think that we're going through the last two guys that maybe could be considered there or even potentially at, what is the next one, 43, and that is Cassius Winston from Michigan State and Devon Dotson, Devin Dotson, I actually don't know the pronunciation of that first name, um, from Kansas. Yeah, um, I should look up a pronunciation myself. Uh, but, yeah, I I think that we're getting down to the last guys that are reason. This is how I'd categorize these point guards, is, like, the last guys that have ever been mocked pick 35 or higher. So, like, to put it in that Kings context, there are guys like Peyton Pritchard, even Yam Madar, like those guys, those names have been floated out there, but I don't think anyone is realistically thinking they're going to be taken by pick 35. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and, yeah, to go through the two guys, I mean, Cassius Winston is a name that probably people are familiar with. He spent four years at Michigan State as their starting point guard every year after his freshman season played with a lot of guys that are in the league at this point, and he is six foot one. was what I saw, 185 pounds with a 6'5 wingspan. In his senior season, averaged 18.6 points, 5.9 assists, um, 1.2 steals, along with 3.2 turnovers, and his splits from the field in his senior season, 44.8% from the field, 43% from three, and 85% from the free throw line. Um, yeah, I mean, just what jumps off the page with Winston with those basics, I mean, like, specifically 43% from three, 5.6 attempts a game is ridiculous, and it's backed up with the 85% from the line. And when you watch the film on it, like, Winston's a shooter in, in really, like, multiple forms. I think I saw him doing it off movement, off the catch, um, in spot-ups, off the dribble. Like, I, I mean, Winston can shoot the ball. Yeah, Cassius Winston can definitely – Shoot the ball. I, I think that, you know, I'm I'm probably going to be a little bit underwhelmed here because it may be the only thing that he can do that I'm super excited about. But, yeah, I mean, he can, he can definitely shoot it. Um, 97th percentile in spot-up. So, the, yeah, and maybe even more impressively, 90th percentile uh, shooting off the dribble. 97th percentile on all catch-and-shoot possessions, 97th percentile guarded catch-and-shoots, 82nd unguarded. Yeah, I mean, the man can knock down a shot. There's no question about it. Um, but how, like, how far, I don't know. This, this, I think this conversation is going to be less about us doing super deep, deep dives into Winston and Dotson and more into the theory of what we want from a point guard in the big picture and if these guys can fill the, that role. Um, and we're going to also compare these guys to the, all the other sort of non-lottery point guard prospects, uh, late first, mid or mid to late first slash early second point guards. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm so much more worried about other stuff in his game. But how far can a knockdown shot? get a prospect uh, up your board uh, by itself? I mean, by itself, like, if you're genuinely bad in, say, like, every other aspect, um, I, I mean, I'm going to have a lot of issues because I think that there's a lot of those guys 
in the league or like that you could even find that are in the G League if you're really looking for just a shooter, uh, maybe not off movement. And like, yeah, Winston's really good. He can do it off the dribble as well. But I don't know, like just shooting is really not going to move you that far up the board. I think there's a lot of guys available for rosters that could do that, even if it's not at a crazy level. Um, but yeah, I mean, you said that shooting was probably most of it for Winston. So you're a little underwhelmed by the passing that he's working with or because that's the main other thing for me. Um, you know, I, he did average 6.4 throughout his time at Michigan State. I thought that, you know, like he was pretty good at running a pick and roll. And that's where you saw some nice drop off passes. Um, I think that there were decent passes to the weak side that you saw from him. Like I thought he was a good playmaker as well. I mean, I, I think that he's fine. I, I think that he could pass, you know, I don't know, just as well as any other any other number of four-year senior point guards that have been in the same system, um, in a good system, on a good team with good recruitment for that amount of time. I wasn't seeing any passes that were, like, blowing me away. Um, I And especially because it's not from a, you know, like 18- or 19-year-old prospect, I think the age – does matter. Did you have the, did you mention the, the exact age? I can look that up. If you I did it. not. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but yeah, four years. Um, and I'll mention, like, I, I think that there is some value that in those years, he's played with a lot of really talented guys and been sort of a complimentary piece. Like right now you see Xavier Tillman, Tillman there was Jaron Jackson. Um, you know, I I, what does that help him? I, I don't understand what. It, why would that help him to so, have to have Jaron Jackson on his team for a year? I, I think that he was more of a role player in college. Like he was one of the key guys on the team, but I think that he's used to being more of a role player. Where I worry some of the guys that could come over used to being a star, where that's clearly not going to be their role in the NBA. You could have a little bit of, you know, struggles adapting to that new role. So I don't think it's like huge or anything, but I think that he's already like a role player in college, and that'll make the transition a little easier. I mean, he took 14 shots a game in college. Fair I don't enough. think he's a role player. His usage was 30%. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I don't know. I I, 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 I almost want to, like, yeah, I want to get my comp out now because it's just like killing me not to, to drop this comp, but I see so much Frank Mason in this guy. This is Frank mm. Mason 2.0. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, and almost like Winston or uh, Mason was like kind of a dog defensively. Like the idea was that he could defend ones, I guess. Like Winston's a horrible defender, I think. Like I guess there's moments, but I think he's going to be a terrible defender. Um, and yeah, like it's, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, I went with King's comps for Cassius Winston. And, I mean, listen, a lot of people like Frank Mason. He's – what was the – was the MVP of the G League? or he something was. like yeah. yeah, something close to it. Um, yeah, I mean, he was really good in the G League this year. Um, maybe he will be something um, for the Bucks now. Uh, you know, another four-year guy. And I, I did just, like, in his game, that's just what was jumping off the page to me. And then I looked at the stats, and they are very similar. Um, Mason shot almost identical in terms of uh, field goal attempts, uh, 13.7 compared to Winston's 13.8. So, like, same, very, very, very similar usage. Um, you know, the 46%, uh, let's see. 
I'm getting a little confused. 40, 43% from three for Winston, 47 from Frankie. Whoa, it was 47 for Frank Mason? On five attempts a game, yeah. Wow. I mean, this, this is him. I, Frank Mason wow. is Cassius Winston. You know, assist, um, you know, you, you write that I didn't notice that Winston had some years with better assist numbers, but as far as their senior years, very, very similar. Um, you know, mid five assists per game, steal numbers similar. I mean, yeah, free through. I mean, down to everything. I think they were very, very similar. Yeah, I mean, so for like the player that Winston is, I, I don't think you're getting anything from him on the defensive end, and part of that is the lack of athleticism that he has laterally, a first step um, that also hurts him on the offensive end. It doesn't allow him to create a shot and get to the rim very easily. I think that you're getting a guy that you primarily are using off the ball in a second a second unit. Um, unless he's running a pick and roll or making quick decisions. I do think he's a really good feel guy and has a high IQ, but he's just limited from a lack of finishing and and being slender and not being able to finish through contact or really just avoiding contact. He can't even get to the rim in the first place, like I mentioned with that first step. I, I mean, it's a guy that, to me, like you're primarily using off the ball on, on offense in a second unit. Like, I, I don't think... I think he's going to be interesting and he can be an okay cog, but it's just like it's very unique to have like already a primary playmaker in your second unit. Right. And as we know, Frank Mason fell apart for the Kings because he his finishing was just really, really subpar. He was actually the worst finisher at the basket in the NBA, I believe his last yeah, his last year with the Kings. Um and, yeah, Winston, I mean, 40th percentile at the basket, that's a red flag. It's a, it's a legit red flag. Um, the six-foot even listed height that I see, I've seen it up to 6'1", that's a red flag. Um, it's a plus I, wingspan, I guess, but, like. Has that been confirmed? I saw it up to the 6'5", somewhere. I, I mean, maybe that's true. It didn't really pop in his tape, but that could just be the poor defense. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a tool there, but... No, I'm with you. Like, I don't think it's actually quick. doing anything for him. If it's there, it's not doing anything for him. He's a legit bad defender, um, and he's legit lacking in size. He probably could only guard ones if he could guard anyone, and he probably can't even guard ones. So, I don't know. Like, I, I get it. Like, I get it. I think, yeah, Frank Mason was picked 35. So, you know, if that's mm. what we're talking about in this episode, I, it's not like a, a bad pick. I wasn't angry at the Frank Mason pick. It didn't work out, but it's not, it wasn't a bad pick, I don't think. So, I mean, I get it. But, like, as far as we're talking about these players in a broader sense, no way is he cracking into my first round. counted on restaurants now they're counting on you and while their dining rooms may still be closed they're still open for delivery with doordash doordash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door ordering is easy open the doordash app choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contact list delivery drop-off setting right now our listeners can get five dollars off and zero delivery fees with their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the doordash app and enter code blue 
choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download DoorDash in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. I mean, I think, yeah, we're, the idea is we're just getting out what uh, sort of role and the general idea of these players out there. I mean, do you want to just kind of move on to Dotson now? I guess so, yeah. I, I'm sorry to, to give such short shrift to Winston, but, I mean, I just think in that in the theory of a player, and you probably will agree with me, but, like, in the theory of a player, if they can't give you anything defensively, and they don't have a high ceiling due to their age, I just, yeah, I'd rather have the guy that's been productive and can shoot well over the guy that that has all those things in common and wasn't productive and doesn't shoot well. But, I mean, it just really limits his upside. Yeah, fair enough. And I think the lack of athleticism that he has as well really limits that upside. And that's something that Dawson does not struggle with there. I think he's one of the faster guys in the class um, up there with, like, Kyra Lewis. I would put Kyra above him, but... Dotson, yeah, I have 6'2", 185 pounds. Um, I see a 6'3", wingspan, and he just finished his sophomore season at Kansas where he averaged 18.1 points, four assists solid, uh, 2.1 steals along with 2.4 turnovers on 46% from the field, 30% from three, and 83% from the free throw line. Um, I, I mean, Right out the gate, like Dotson's a guy that's way more appealing than Winston than me. I think the speed that he played with is clearly what stands out the most, and he has finishing to go with it that I think gives a lot of promise to him. Way more appealing. I'm glad that we're on the same page. Um, there is a lot more here. Um, by the way, I found Cassius Winston's age. He is basically 22 and a half, um, yeah. which I think is about the same that Frank was coming out. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot more here with uh, uh, with Dodson. He is in the middle, you know, he's 20, you know, he's about 20 and a half. Um, I think a little bit closer to 21. Still not like a super young guy, but a sophomore. And, and all these ages are going to be skewed a little bit because of COVID and the delayed draft. But um, yeah, I, I think that the physical tools are a lot better. And even though, I mean, he's kind of small too, I will say that. Yeah. He looked small on tape, but he looked way, way more spry, way more agile um, on offense and on defense. Yeah, definitely. I think that he actually is going to be a promising defender just at the one, though. And obviously that, that limits him a lot. I think that you'll still see him getting attacked on that end. Um but, yeah, I mean, to come down back to the pace a little bit, which I think is going to be the main part of him, for him to be able to finish at the rim with that pace as well, and that's because he controls it at times. Like, there was a bit of a change of pace that you saw that I think um, could give you some promise there, while one of his biggest weaknesses definitely still is controlling that speed that I think we saw Fox have to learn a bit as well. Um, yeah, I mean, for him to be able to finish – I have 54.8% around the basket um, for for the season. That's per synergy. 
I think he finished fairly well with with both hands, and a big part of it is that he got to the free throw line a lot. 5.7 attempts a game and to shoot, knock down 83% of them, I think that, you know, that's going to be an offense that he's he's going to be able to get to the line a couple times in the NBA. Like, I think the speed that he has, he's, he's actually going to be able to blow by NBA defenders fairly easily. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think that he's slippery and crafty. Um, I'm looking at him around the basket here. Not that much better than Winston, so I don't want to give it to him a completely 47th percentile, but, but a huge there. volume. Yeah, right, Huge right. volume, right. Um, no, I agree with you. And and when he gets there, he knocks him down. Um, you know, good free throw percentage on both of these guys. The jumper, it's what, so did you, weird. what did you think about it? Um, yeah, what did you think about it? Sometimes I hated it. Sometimes I loved it from, like, the look of it. At, at time, like, originally I was like, okay, this isn't bad, and then – and then there were moments I'm like, I don't know, this looks a little clanky, but overall, like, I mean, to shoot four of them a game and knock down 30% is not horrible, almost 31%, especially when you look at, you know, 83% from the free throw line. Like, I, I got to think that it has some promise to it. Yeah, it didn't feel like a nightmare. The form was not good and not consistent, but you do think that you can teach that. Right, so the touch and the touch didn't feel bad. It you know, if he couldn't shoot, he wouldn't be taking that many and making that many. Um, I don't like see him as a good shooter in the NBA, but a capable shooter, sure. Right. Um, so I'm I'm not like offended by the shot. I this these two guys are kind of like the opposite theories of a point guard, or theories of a player, theories of a fringe NBA player. Um, would you rather take the guy with the bankable shot? You know he's going to be a good shooter, but there's questions about athleticism, or do you take the athlete who has questions about his shot? Right, which is kind of back to a little bit of upside versus floor, in my opinion. Like I think the athlete's always going to have the higher upside, obviously. And I want to ask you about Dotson's passing as well, because I think this is where Winston has an edge on him as well. Um, and... It'll be it, – it's one of the swing factors for Dotson along with his uh, shooting for me there. Yeah, definitely has the edge. Um, Dotson, a lot of his passing came in transition or at least plays that he caused a lot of disruption in the defense with his athleticism, with his movement. Um, so he would drive and kick or he would um, – be that he would catch the ball uh, and and then start a secondary motion or a secondary. Um, he would look for cutters. It was a lot of it was coming in transition or off drives, um, but it was pretty functional in that way. I don't think he's gonna like slow you down. Uh, you know, bring slowly bring the bring the ball up court and like run uh, a really thought well thought out and well designed play and hit his reads like Winston could do perhaps, but he's going to cause a little chaos and then, um, you know, make space with his own athleticism and then pass into that space. Yeah, and let me know if I'm jumping the gun, but I think it's interesting, like, he would be a backup that almost emulates a Fox role in a way where he could keep the same style of play. Is that something that you would want in a backup point guard, or, or what are you sort of looking for when you're bringing in a guy to replace Fox? I'm not even sure that I would call Dotson a really a point guard. Um, hmm. 
I'm not even sure that I would. Like, I don't know. As far as the NBA, like, he's definitely going to defend the ones. So, by that definition, he is. But I don't know that, like, I'd want the ball in his hands all the time. I think if you can coach up that shot, like, so you, you can't teach Winston athleticism, but you could teach Dotson to be a more disciplined, better shooter. And if so, I would use his speed off ball quite a bit as well. So, yeah, he can be disruptive, kind of like, I don't know, a, a Kyra Lewis a junior light, I guess. Um, he's more in that category. So I get where you're coming from, for sure. Yeah, and, I mean, is there – I definitely – I don't know if I want to give it away now. Whatever. I, I like Dawson better than Winston if we're talking for Sacramento. Um and yeah, like you mentioned, I think that actually he will be a, he could be a good defender of ones, but that that's absolutely it. I thought that he showed good lateral quickness, like you're saying, he was able to jump passing lanes, a lot of the credit due to his insane speed that he's working with. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the prototype of player that you're working with. You're a slasher that is going to thrive in transition and chaos compared to more of a floor general that's going to knock down a lot of shots. Um yeah, I mean, what else do you want to touch on with these guys before we just kind of lump them in with all the potential picks at 35? Do you have a comp for Dotson other than the the super light Fox? I don't. Um, no, I, I don't really. Do you? I've got one to throw in your general direction. Mm-hmm. Austin Rivers. Oh, God. Like, interesting. I, I actually don't think of Rivers as, like, the at, the speed that Dotson has. Even, I guess he kind of—I don't know. I see where you're coming from. Uh, you're definitely just messing with me, but <laughs> I mean, I'm not—not not necessarily. Like, I mean, in the defensive effort category, and in the—I mean, mm-hmm. they're not that far off athletically. I mean, if you think back to like Austin's right. first year. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think Dotson's going to be interesting, and and you know, I'll say actually, uh, Vasini had an interview with Cassius Winston, and. The keynotes I remember, I definitely remember him comparing Winston to a Devontae Graham, which I thought was kind of interesting. And Graham's and Winston had mentioned, you know, he's watching Graham taking pieces from there. Um, don't know how much I agree that I, I think Graham's a little bit of an outlier case and also just has a crazy amount of opportunity with a bad team in Charlotte. Um, and yeah, I, so I guess that was somewhat of an interesting comp. And yeah, I don't know when you're when you get to this point it really became difficult for me to find comps for the guys we're talking about now. Yeah, my comps for for Cassius Winston were, I think the Frank Mason comps actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one, I mean, Yogi Ferrell is not a terrible comp for him either. Interesting. Um, they, I looked up their numbers like super similar again. I think like almost down to the, the exact same number of assists, four-year seniors, really good shooters, 42% on 5.4 attempts for for Yogi from three, almost identical. Like him, I mean, I, that's my concern with Winston is he's the next in, in the line of Frank Mason, Yogi Ferrell, Cassius Winston. Yeah, I didn't see those Yogi or Frank in college or, you know, pay attention to the draft at that point, but based on what I saw in the NBA, I would say I think that Winston has a better feel for the game and, like, I would trust him to initiate the offense a bit more than those guys, but at, at the same time, I could see a world where he ends up in, in that sort of range that you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think that he's probably a better passer than those guys, but also maybe a worse defender. 
Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and do you want to just kind of get to ranking all the guys that we're working with here, or I can list off who we're talking about? Yeah. Uh, last comp I'll just throw out there, this one for Dotson. Um, or, no, I'm sorry, this one for Winston. Someone said Kyle Lowry. Uh, I saw that, that's, too. Yeah. That's, just, that's just the thickness. These gentlemen, they got um, some <laughs> That's so funny. Winston's like skinny too, but I see where you're going from. No, they, these guys have, these fellows got chunk. Yeah, we're talking about the beer for sure, yeah. <laughs> Caboose. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, listen, it's muscle. That's what that is. Muscle, yep. Yeah. Well, he needs to try to transfer it to the rest of his body, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know what what is this stupid podcast. Oh, it's great. It's great. Anyway. This, this is the off season. What are you talking about? Oh, we're we're deep deep in the off season. Um, yeah, man. All right, so <laughs> let's rank these guys by butt size. No, let's rank. All right, so let's rank all these guys. We got all right. So let's rank um, all of our podcast. All of our. Uh, <laughs> that's the one you're starting with your girlfriend. Yeah. Right. 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 Shrinking NBA that's players' asses. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> um, all right. So let's uh, let's do this. All of our non-lottery point guards. So I think really I'm going to just like throw out the names we're not including this list because they're super consensus lottery uh, or like just outside the lottery guys. Um, so, yeah, we're obviously – Lamelo's not in this. Uh, Killian Hayes is not in this. Cole Anthony is he? Does he? I know you're kind of low on Cole. Some people are super low on Cole. No. Okay. He's Cole Anthony. Not good. Yeah. Not in this. Um, Tyrese Maxey. No. So these are all guys that were that are way tiers above who we're going to be talking about. <clears throat> and then uh, Kira, or sorry, Kyra Lewis, also be the part of the last one that we. Uh, wouldn't involve in this list. You say Kyra Lewis for that last one? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't have him listed on here because I think that he's probably in the teens. Um, yeah, the guys that I have on the list uh, are, yeah, Tyrell Terry, uh, the two that we mentioned. I have Trey Jones, Maladon, Riller, Malachi Flynn, um, and Nico Mannion. So, so is is Kyra for you decidedly? You know, he's there's no chance he's a late first for you. Like, and we're talking about your personal big board. We're gonna go through and rank these guys. We have we're gonna be ranking. Who did we do? We did uh, Riller and Maladon. Then we did Nico mm-hmm. and Malachi Flynn, and we also have. Terry and Trey Jones. Tyrell Terry and Trey Jones. Mm-hmm. And then these two we just did now. Right. Yeah, no, um, Kyra Lewis to me is like mid first. I don't think he's late first. So none of these guys are going to touch uh, Kyra. Okay. Correct, yeah. All right, so that's our list of – you've got our list there. One, two, three – how many did we say? One, One, two, two three, three, four, five, six, seven. I have eight. Yeah, we're going to be ranking our eight, and they're – I'm sorry, just to, just to clarify, they, I just went through our top one, two, three, four, five point guards. Okay. 
That is that is uh, Ball, Hayes, Anthony, Halliburton, Maxi, and Kyra. So that's six. Okay. So are you the same that Kyra is like clearly above these guys and not a late first or? Yes, I'm with you. He's my sixth. Like this, like very clearly my sixth. I think that yeah, like that's he's kind of in a tier of his own as my number six point guard in this class. Okay. So I put out a tweet from the KP account earlier, actually asking people to rank these guys going into it. And I uh, quote retweeted with my opinion as well. And let me tell you, it's changed since I've been thinking about it and preparing for this. And the guy that I have first in this group, and this is talking specifically for Sacramento, in his own tier, actually, I have Thale Maladon. All right, so this is your number seven point guard in his own tier? It is. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you talked me into this a little bit when we had the pod, and, and I've, as I've thought about it more, we've seen him do a little bit of everything, and he's one of the few guys on this list that really does have combo guard potential on the offensive and defensive end, and that paired with how young he is and having a promising like full package to work with, I think that, yeah, Maladon was, was a guy that, I, weirdly, like I, I feel pretty comfortable having in his own tier here. I like it. I uh, I'm very high on Maladon. I think we had that Riller Maladon debate. Yeah, I mean I have Maladon number one of these these eight point guards. So yeah, Maladon's my number seven point guard. I think he's also probably consensus number seven. Although there's there, I mean there are people that have him in the second round. Um, but yeah. I'm glad glad to know it. You know all. Maybe this we should have done this before. Like, what are you looking for in a backup point guard for the Kings? Like, do you, for me, it's probably it's interesting because like I think last offseason it was like okay, we want a defensive backup point guard. And the more I've thought about it, why does your backup point guard need to be like some crazy defender? Like, if for the most part the idea is that he's going against other bench units, right? Because Fox, your best player, should be getting a majority of those minutes unless he can play alongside Fox, which is part of why I like Maladon. I think he's one of maybe the only guy on this list that I could feel really comfortable with those minutes on both ends of the floor. I kind of think that what I'm looking for in a backup point is a guy that is able to create shots for other people. And for himself, it would be a nice plus as well, but I think that somebody that can really facilitate out there and, yeah, I mean, find people for open looks. To be honest, I'm not really looking for anything in particular. When I'm doing this, I'm doing these are the players that I think are the best. These are the best prospects in this order. And I want the Kings to pick the best player, you know, and that's kind of it. I, I just don't – I for me personally, like these guys aren't going to be around pick 12. You know, pick 35, I mean, you could think about fit, I suppose, but assuming that the way this list works, you know, we're assuming if Taylor Maladon falls to 35, I don't care about fit at all. Uh, he's the guy that I want out of this group. So, I mean, what I'm looking for is potential to be as good of a player as possible, and I think that Maladon has that, especially you know, if I'm attracted to any particular qualities, it's going to be size and age. So the fact that Maladon is very young and very lengthy, that – probably puts him – that's the probably the distinctive, distinctive uh, distinguishing factors between him and a lot of these other eight-point guards here. And where does Melodon rank on our ask listing here? 
I haven't really peeped it, to be honest with you. No? Wow. What a shame. I know. What a shame. Unprepared. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I have – yeah, I have Maladon in that tier by himself. Um, who who do you have listed after Maladon? Hmm. So, this, this is uh, probably going to be our first point of differentiation. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of a hot take. Mildly. We'll see. Medium spice. I am Oh, God, just, don't say Nico Mannion. It's Nico Mannion. Oh, God. It was okay. very close for me, but I think the age plays a big part. Um, I, I It was between him or Riller, and I put Nico, and I talked to you about this wow. in the last episode we did. I really said, like, Nico might be just a hair above Riller for me. And it just comes down to the age, and I think that Riller can contribute to a, a team, to maybe a really good team. Kings aren't a really good team, I'll point that out. Um, and especially in this context, like, yeah, I mean, I, I am, if I'm drafting for the Kings, I'm just drafting for the best, highest ceiling. And Grant Riller, like, just doesn't have that. Like, he's 20 freaking four years old in a couple months. He like he just doesn't have that. Uh, I, he doesn't have he doesn't have the ceiling to me that Nico Mannion does. Who you know was the best player at the Nike Hoop Summit, and yeah, has had a disappointing year at Arizona. But I believe that he has the potential to grow into a brighter star than Riller. Wow. Wow. Okay. I, I got to say, I was not expecting, especially, I was more surprised by Riddler being like the other guy that was kind of in the conversation here. And I know you're lower on this guy. I wasn't surprised to not hear Tyrell Terry's name here, but that's who I have second. I think that when you're talking upside, like Terry's really one of the ones that, that need to be mentioned in this conversation. I think that his upside as a as an insane shooter for his size, and I actually think that if you are talking upside, that there is a path where he's a promising passer as well and is able to use that gravity to create a bit for other people. Um, I, I think that, you know, he's he's a negative on defense, but I think that, you know, getting a insane shooter that, like, I, I really think that I, – I, you don't want to say anything's a lock, but, like, I, I think Terry's going to be a, a crazy shooter uh, above the level of Cassius Winston. I think that, you know, he's able to create for himself, do it off the catch. Um, yeah, I really like the offensive all-around game of Terry, and I think he could fill that role of, you know, being able to create for himself and function off the ball a bit while maybe Bogey initiates, but at the same time set people up a little bit with his gravity that he's working with. Yeah, I'm just low on Terry. I think that we're being sold a false bill of goods about him being like a Trey Young type. Um, I mean – I know that he did it in a different way on a different team where he was creating a lot for himself and he was shooting from a a deeper range, right? But Winston, the guy that we just talked about and saying that the shot didn't really even matter that much to us, you know, I mean, he shot a higher volume of threes at a better percentage. So, like, I I don't think this is like, okay, well, we we found, like, the next elite shooter. Winston's a better shooter. I mean, borderline, right? We, We can talk about shot versatility and variety. And coming off of screens and right. uh, you know shooting off of dri- out of the dribble, but I mean it's comparable. It's comparable. This isn't a Trey Young yeah. scenario, right? Yeah, the Trey Young issue obviously is the passing that you're talking about, and I well, think no, that th- I'm just saying 
I think here's what I honestly here's what I think that happened. Tyler Terry, yeah, like he's a freshman that really shot well uh, for a bad team. I think that you, I, I, here's what I think happened. KOC, shouts out Kevin O'Connor, put Tyrell Terry eighth on his big board a long time ago, and there's been a reverberating effect through draft Twitter, through everyone else's boards. He was not on the radar like this. And he is slowly, I think that has slowly pulled him up in consensus and, and slowly affected other people's rankings of him. Because, I, you know, when I was, when I saw that, I mean, he was like a second round guy. Um, and I think, I mean, maybe not even on some people's radars. And that like super, super, super hot take just slowly, the gravity of that has pulled him up to like a consensus early 20s, late teens guy. Yeah, I don't think you're crazy with that thought process at all. Um, but I do think that, you know, where we have our differences is I think that he actually is going to be able to create for others. I thought that he had some nice uh, moments passing the ball that, yeah, I mean, he didn't do it an amazing amount. And, you know, he didn't have a great team around him, as you mentioned. But I think that he's going to be able to create for others a bit as well. And, you know, O'Connor may, may think that, I, I don't know, I don't want to put words in his mouth. But, yeah, I, I think that... Terry is going to be in okay, like, if you want to call him an engine, it's an engine of a second unit for, you know, 15 minutes a game. Um, and, and, yeah, I think that there's some okay value in that, a guy, again, that can function on and off the ball. And, sure, he's going to be a negative on the defensive end, but I, I think that he's going to have a good gravity to him and, again, be able to create for himself and others. And I think there's good, decent value in that. I'm taking a hard stance against this. I, I mean, wh- like, okay, I know that he has highlight reels, right? Like, I know he has YouTube videos of some flashy passes, but the man averaged three assists a game. Right. He averaged almost three turnovers a game. He is not an advanced passer by any means, any means at all. And he's, like, maybe six feet even. Maybe right. maybe he's six foot nothing. He definitely does not have a positive wingspan. Um. Like, I mean, he's a really, really small dude, a buck 60, you know, weighs 160, probably a small ass, I think we'd agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, but listen, he, he's like six foot nothing, 160 pounds. He, yeah, he shot a good percentage on, on good volume, but not the best. Like, that's not elite necessarily. And he's not really that good of a passer, man. Like, sure, he has flashes, but like... Th- I do not get it. I think this is this is an echo chamber, draft Twitter, KOC thing that's happening here. I, I look at the tape and I'm like, this guy is too small to make it in the NBA unless he's Trey Young and he's super duper not Trey Young. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, 
Harold Reynolds and seven-time NBA champion. We'll go with six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So I don't think it's crazy to, you know, to get back to, I, I guess, again, I said that this guy was a bit of an outlier, um, but what was the uh, Charlotte name I mentioned earlier? Devontae Graham sort of situation. Like, I, I think the the difference, obviously, between Terry and Winston, like, while Winston had great shooting percentages himself, I think Terry's form is super effortless. He did it off movement much more often. His willingness to go and screen off the ball and constant movement, I think that, you know, the shooting that you saw for Terry and the versatility to it just holds a lot of value. I'm with you. Like, I think that he's probably better suited as a second rounder that you're talking about here, but I think it's like fairly early second rounder. I thought that, you know, he was able to pick his spots. And I really do think like, obviously the main thing for Terry is the shooting. And I do think that he's a level above any of the other guys we're going to be talking about by a good margin in the form and the spots that he's able to pick. Um, and, yeah, I mean, obviously they go down. Yeah, I mean, this was the question I asked you earlier, is, like, how far does a shot alone get you? Um, and, yeah, it's a really good shot. But, to me, the shot alone is not going to get me anywhere. And that, that I mean, not any, it's not going to get me very far. And maybe that means I'm the type of guy who would have missed on Steph Curry or Trey Young. But I think that he's significantly – I mean, those are guys that are picked in the top ten. I don't think that Terry has that type of equity with his shot. So, yeah, if I miss out on him, I'm happy to do so. But anyway, my point is, my point is, he's not my number two guy. Wow, we've really gotten off track here. But um, yeah, I have Mannion number two behind Maladon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mannion. I get, I just get scared of like what the floor of Mannion is. I, it, like, I get scared of the floor of Tyrell Terry. Yeah, fair enough. Tyrell Terry's floor is worse than Kyle Guy's floor. Uh, mm. I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Anyway, don't, let's get off of Terry. Yeah, I'll, I'll go to my number three here. This is where I have Grant Riller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know I, I really like Riller. Um, I do think that you know he's going to be, be able to do it at all three levels on the offensive end. And yeah, I have him a bit further here. Um, the next guy that that I was working with was Trey Jones who, you know, is a little bit more defensive-focused, but I think that you saw him have a really high usage this year at Duke while also the year before working in a in a lower usage role alongside the likes of Barrett, Reddish, and Zion. So I like the versatility you saw from him, and I just have a lot of confidence that Trey Jones is, you know, just going to be his brother. Like, I think he's going to be a backup point guard in the league for, for 15 years. I think he's got a great feel for the game and great vision paired with the, like, dog mentality and, and promising defensive skills that he has. Like, I, I think he can be a really damn good point guard defender. And it's just point guards, but I think he can be really good at it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I have Jones right behind Riller. So that's my um, – like, they're very much in the same tier for me. I think they're kind of super safe floor guys. Like, Maladon and Mannion 
to me, I put one, two for their ceiling. And Riller Jones, I put three, four for their floor. It's just so safe. Yeah, fair enough. And, uh, and, and that's where I have Terry is fifth. Okay, so go through your five again real quick. Maladon, Mannion, one in like kind of a tier of their own um, because of their ceiling, uh, high ceiling guys and young guys. And then tier two, I have Riller Jones as like, it's not that Jones is old, but they're, they're, I just don't see a high ceiling there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see a locked-in floor with them, and I'm fine with flipping them too. If, if you want defense over offense, I get that. Um, but I'd rather I'd rather go offense in a in a draft that, like this situation. And then Terry, I have fifth, where he's a ceiling guy, but I feel like his ceiling is significantly lower than that Maldon Mannion tier. So, and his floor just scares the hell out of me. So I I just have him fifth here. Fair enough. Um, so number four here after Maladon Terry Jones, I get a little spicy. I got Devon Dotson. I think that the pace that he's able to play with and the athleticism that he has, it's going to really benefit him on both ends of the floor. I think he's actually one of the higher upside guys that we're going to talk about here. I do have promise in the shot due to what we touched on, um, you know, good, decent form, I thought, and a really promising free throw percentage. I think that, yeah, I mean, at very least, he's going to be a threat in transition, and he's going to be able to to get some of those opportunities throughout the game. I, I think that he genuinely does have a really high floor due to that athleticism and already great finishing if he can develop a shot. Wow, so you have Devon Dotson over Grant Riller. I do. I do. Wow. And like That's a take. It, it is. It's spicy, and I think that – yeah, it, it could vary team to team. Like, I, I would see situations where Grant would be preferred over Dotson, but for Sacramento, a team that, you know, I think you look upside, um, I, I like Dotson. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that it's super crazy. Um, I have Dotson in my tier right below Terry, so this is, like, another ceiling tier, but it's a it's a lower ceiling tier than the, than the first one. Um, I don't think it's crazy, but I do think that with Riller and Dotson, I think the ceiling of Dotson is a guy who is going to be disruptive. I mean, what the theory of his ceiling is that he's disruptive enough athletically to be effective on offense, and then he can hold his own guarding ones. Yeah, well, it would be – I mean, I think he's going to be a threat in transition, and obviously you'd worry about half court a little bit, but I think that he has a good enough first step and, and some craftiness to him and, and a touch with both hands that I think he's going to be able to finish around the rim. So as long as he can, you know, function off the ball with a little bit of a, a catch-and-shoot jump shot, I think that on the offensive end, like, he could have a pretty good package that he's working with. And then, yeah, like you're saying on defense, I mean, it's just – the idea would be that he could be a good defender on point guards, and that's it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a hot take. I think that you should stick with it, but yeah, I think you might get skewered a little bit from draft Twitter by putting Dotson over Riller, just because I think that the difference in their offensive ability is, like, enormous, right? Like, Riller, all those things that you just described, hoping that Dotson can do, Riller already does them, and, like, we know he does them. Um, yeah. And then their gap on defense is just not enormous, considering they both are going to be limited by size. Yeah, I I mean, 
I see where you're coming from. I do think the gap is is notable. Um, it's not ginormous because I think that Riddler's a negative on that end, and Dotson actually could be a bit of a positive. Again, just point guards, which obviously limits the value that you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, with the with the age difference that you're talking about between the two of them, a sophomore and a and a senior, I think that there's an opportunity for for Dotson to be able to utilize that superior athleticism that he's working it with. A lot of this I'm I'm putting into that athleticism that Dotson's working with because it truly is like phenomenal speed that he has. Riddler's got a great burst too though. He does. Um I will say let me ask you this. Who's the best defender in the NBA with a wingspan of six foot three or less? Hmm. Oh man, I'd have to have a list in front of me like what is what is like the wingspan of Lowry that you're working with? I would guess it's up there higher. I would think it's higher. Um, I would think it, it'd have to be. Right. Hmm. Obviously, Chris Dunn's like a higher wingspan. That you're oh wow, six two allegedly for really? Lowry. Yeah, but I'm obviously an outlier. You would think, right? Yeah, but he has that that big. He's the thick. You're right. He's the king of this shit. <laughs> Oh God! He has um, that dump truck ass. <laughs> oh God! I don't. Uh, so like Kemba's got a bigger wingspan than Dawson. Like oh, Chris Paul's six four. So right. I mean, it's possible, but I don't. I, do you see him like on a Lowry Chris Paul level defensively? No. Like, what do you what do you think of Fox's defense? Um, I think he is there. He has a, a great set of tools. Um, and it's going to come down to is he put in a good system and is he going to be able to engage enough considering, you know, how much he has to do on offense. But I, right. I mean, I'm on board. Yeah, I, I almost thought of Fox a little bit when I watched Dawson defensively. I thought that he oh, was able man. to wreak havoc. And, and this is you thought of me saying, like, I, I don't think that Fox did great on defense throughout the year. You know, I think that he has a lateral quickness to be able to stay in front of guys, but at the same time, you know, there's going to be moments he gets blown past, and then from then, like, I guess it's a highlight play that you try to go for in a way, but, like, I don't think he had a great – I don't think Dotson had a great feel of, of rotations. It was more of just wrecking havoc with the absolute speed he has off the ball. Yeah, and Fox is, like, the 6-6 wingspan. It's – it's. I mean, I, I'm with you as long as we're you're acknowledging how much – of a of a light version he is. Like if you're telling me Very. he's like De'Aaron Fox, but like twenty five percent of him in every way, it, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. And and I mainly was just talking about the defense right now. I think that there's there's clear differences, especially like playmaking you're talking about. But yeah, I mean I could give up the twenty five percent of Fox sort of thing. I actually think he's just the worst Kira Lewis. And actually that's, no, no, I mean like fair. Kira has a huge it, it's like very clearly worse. It's yeah, Kira's like fifty percent of Fox and and yeah, Dawson's like fifty percent of Kira. Yeah. Twenty five percent. Yeah, fair enough. And then uh yeah, fifth, this is where I have I have Riddler. Um so not all too far off. And and I do have a little bit of a gap here because I think that you know, the guys I mentioned were kind of upside ones aside from Trey Jones, who I mean, I just think he's gonna be a really good backup point guard for, you know, a decade and a half. Um yeah, this is where I have Riddler sitting here at five, you know, for reasons you mentioned, just a complete 
all-around scorer, not a bad athleticism that he's working with there as well. Um, yeah, come in and, and just be a scoring punch off the bench. Yeah. So it's going to be Nico that is the big difference here. It's going to be uh, Terry versus Mannion mm-hmm. for us here. That'll be the biggest difference. Yeah. Who's the uh, next up six on you? for you? He's not. Because I've given you my six. Oh, okay. oh, wait. Did I say six? No, I didn't. I don't know if you did. Who do you have six? Uh, uh, oh, no, I did. Yeah, it's Dotson. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I have Malachi Flynn here right now. Um, it's really him and Mannion kind of back and forth for 6-7 for me. And, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just more confident that Flynn's going to be able to do it, obviously. I, I worry that Nico's going to have so many problems when he gets to the NBA. Like, he doesn't have any sort of, like, promising athleticism to him. I thought a lot of him was – the promise was, you know, knocking down difficult shots. And I don't think that he did a great job creating space for himself. I think that, you know, in, in his high-end outcome, he's able to pick his spots and understand where they are. But I don't have faith in him necessarily reaching that. And the playmaking was nice, but I think that if you don't have, like, a any scoring gravity to yourself, that that can get nullified a little bit. And I don't think he was very promising on the defensive end all too much as well. Like, you had a good point where, like, I worry about Terry's floor as well. But Mannion's floor just, just scares me. And I, I see I see a world where Mannion really just is a super subpar backup point guard. Yeah, so you're saying you have Flynn here? Yeah, sorry. I have Flynn six, and then I have Mannion sitting at seven with not all okay. too much of a difference between them. But it's really just that I, I don't – I see the upside with Nico. I just don't really believe in it. Yeah, I won't fault you for that. This is going to be just a typical, like, you know, our gut, our guts disagree here. Um, and, yeah, man, I mean, I understand. I, I'm just taking the freshman over the senior. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really what it comes down to. I'm taking the, the chance – I mean, he was a top 10 pick, you know, coming out of high school. He had a bad year. I would bet on his ability to have a better year in the future and to improve over time in the future where, you know, neither of us were really excited about Flynn. So that's I'd, I'd take the lottery yeah. ticket on, on Nico. That's fair. And I, and I probably could be talking to Mannion over Flynn. Like I said, I kind of have him uh, side by side here and not too much of a gap between them. Um, yeah, I just don't feel good about Nico, and it's probably I just, you know, wouldn't be a fan of the pick, but I understand the logic behind it, and then that leaves uh, Cassius Winston sitting there at eight that, you know, these that those three guys are probably just in a tier of their own for me where I would prefer the, the top five that you're working with above them. Yeah, Winston's alone at the bottom here for me as well. Um, and, yeah, we, we talked about adding Peyton Pritchard into this list, though I think he's consistently mocked later than these guys. Um, I think that I could see him getting into a tier with Winston here at the bottom based on the little bit that I've seen. But So where would you have Terry? Uh, right after Jones in that tier with Dotson, above Dotson. So Terry, five. Okay. So I'll, I'll give my, my eight again here. Maladon, Mannion, Riller, Jones, Terry Dotson, Flynn, Winston. And that's kind of – they're kind of paired together in tiers. So Maladon, Mannion, 
as a tier. Riller Jones is a tier. Terry Dotson is a tier. And Flynn Winston, um, kind of at the bottom, and potentially, like, other guys could crack into that tier, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my eight, I have Maladon solo at the top, and then I have Tyrell Terry, Trey Jones, Devon Dotson, and Grant Riller in a tier of their own. And then the bottom tier I have is Malachi Flynn, Nico Mannion, and Cassius Winston that we're working with here. And, yeah, I mean, there's Sacramento's going to have multiple options between the guys that we're working with here at 35. Yeah, I actually have them kind of, each of those tiers kind of gave them a range. So um, out on Mannion, I have early 20s. Riller Jones, I have late 20s. Terry Dotson, I have early 30s. And Flynn Winston, I have late 30s. So, I, yeah, I mean, there will be options, but I think that I'm anyone other – you know, Flynn and Winston, I'm not going to be mad about there, but anyone else that we just talked about, I'd be very excited for. Yeah, I, I'm with the same here. Uh, yeah, Flynn, Winston don't aren't the most intriguing for me for sure at that point. And, yeah, if, I mean, if we were talking 43, I'd feel a little different probably. But, yeah, I mean, seeking a point guard at 35 – I'd be ecstatic if we're talking to, you know, I think uh, Jones, Dotson, Mannion. I, yeah, I mean, the, any of the guys that we mentioned really and wouldn't be surprised to see a more slim pool than what I'm probably making it out to sound like. But, yeah, I mean, Sacramento is going to have a, a good option to work with here at 35. And are you still kind of under the train of thought that this is the position they should look towards there? Just because of the the depth at point guard in this late first, early, second area. I think so, yeah. Um, there's certainly other possibilities, but, you know, like I think the Bay-Woodard combination yeah. you brought up is like if you need a guy that size can play a forward spot, you probably got to pounce then. Um, but based on your ranking of Mannion down there at Flynn and Winston, like is he a guy you just wouldn't be excited about at 35? I mean, I could talk myself into it, I guess, but – no, I wouldn't be the most excited. Like, I, I would think that, you know, if I, – I would think that Dotson is on the board, and I just definitely have a preference of Dotson over Mannion. Um, but if he was picked at 35, I, I could talk myself into it because, again, like, I, I guess I see the upside hypothetically. I just don't have the most confidence in him getting there. But, yeah, if Sacramento decided to go for that guy at 35, like, I, I wouldn't hate the pick. The upside's there, you know. The upside's there. 19 years old. Really, really highly recruited guy. Good passer, good shooter. I, I, I'm, 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 I would be, uh, that'd be such a home run for me at 35. But um, I think the one thing that did come out of this, you just mentioned it. The, the big takeaway for me is that I think that we're both would be excited about Devon Dotson at 35. Like we both would feel that that's good value, and yeah. more so than Flynn, who I think was our a guy we kind of penciled in there. Right. Yeah, I became pretty underwhelmed by, by Flynn, actually. And, and, like, going back on this list, he was the guy I, like, even remembered the least about because I think I just, you know, didn't enjoy diving into him the most. He was just even a bit the most, like, boring prospect. He just excited me the least out of the guys on this list as well. Um, I'm definitely with you. Like, Dotson's my guy there. And, and I think that even pulling Riller, like, I'd clearly rather have Riller over Flynn. It's very interesting like you're saying, he was a guy that a lot of Kings Twitter, I think, still is really big fans of. And, yeah, both of us not too high on it. And and aside from that, like, we have a pretty 
a fairly different list, I guess. Like, the bottom is somewhat the same. We have Maladon sitting at the top, but we have a little bit of variance between us. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Terry Flynn, or the Terry Mannion discussion. But the other thing is, I'll point out, Cassius Winston is at the bottom of both of our lists. We both wouldn't be super excited about him. But in a lot of the mocks I've done, this man falls. Like, this man falls. I think even in our podcast mock, he fell to me at, like, 52 or something weird. Oh. 50, it was, like, in the 50s when he eventually went. Would you be down for Winston at 43? I would. I actually really like Winston um, as, like, what he is as a player. I just don't – I think that aside – compared to the rest of these guys, like, he's going to be a – you know, he could be a mid-level, like, backup point guard, which – and I think that he's a smart enough guy that he's going to stay in the league for a long time, and I, I do think that he has a good feel, and, and he's going to figure out how to be a contributor. So, yeah, I mean, if you're talking 43, like, which I guess isn't that much further than 35, but it's a decent little jump. I, I really would not mind Winston on on Sacramento, but I just think that you have to take these other names over him. If you get Wooder at 35 and Winston at 43, I'm taking that. All for take, it. Take yeah. it to the bank. Yeah, I'm all for it. All for it. Um, yeah, so I don't have anything else to rank these guys. Um, anybody listening, definitely send us quote retweet uh, the tweet that we put out earlier today, which when we're recording this is, I don't even know what day of the week it is, Tuesday, um, and let us know what your rankings of are are of all of these players that we're talking about here for Sacramento to potentially look at for backup point guard at 35. Uh, Have anything else you want to get in here, Rich? That's it, brother. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, And uh, check out Cashman Winston's backside, I guess. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, check that out, you know. Uh, Get some comps to Kyle Lowry and let us know what you think. And... You know, definitely check out uh, kingsherald.com for some independent Kings coverage. Go support the Patreon over there. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast, please leave a rating, subscribe, and review, and you will hear from us again in the next couple of days.